Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Hello, friends. In today's episode, Jeff and I discuss some of the things we've been chewing on since our interview with Debs Irwin in episode five. And we move from forgiveness and reconciliation on a global or national level to forgiveness and reconciliation on a personal level. We discuss times when we have forgiven or have needed to be forgiven and times when maybe we still have a ways to go. Enjoy the episode. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we didn't do with Debs and we knew we weren't doing with Debs because we were kind of dealing with the larger issue of forgiveness on that, that mm-hmm. macro side, as I've kind of talked about. Um, forgiveness gets more interesting and complicated when we're talking about our personal lives mm-hmm. and the lives of people that we listen to Mm -hmm. uh, and the challenges and the struggles that they go through. So we'll move on as uh, we have discussions with each other and and other people that we invite into this, but um, hopefully we'll be talking soon to the pastor of Mother Emanuel Church where the nine people were killed during a Bible study and the world was confounded by family members the next day who said, I forgive the killer. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And where's the depth of that? So those are the kind of things that, uh, that I want to explore. Yeah. So in those, in those sorts of situations, I like practically, what does that look like to forgive? um, Even if you're in a situation where you can't actually stay in relationship with somebody, it seems like what that actually means is a letting go. Right. If you hold on to something, it doesn't always affect the person that you are holding it against. What it does is destroy you. Right. And so um, even though, like you mentioned with the Mother Emanuel Church and the people who said, I forgive you the next day, even, even though that sounds crazy to say, I forgive you, it allows those people who are forgiving to move forward. The letting, the letting go is actually healing for them. So yeah, I can't wait to talk to Mother Emanuel Church and hear what their experience of that has been. Uh, so I, I read a devotion book, A Prayer Guide for Ministry, and other servants every morning. Mm -hmm. And so I'm up on Cape Cod, lounging in the bed and reading. And every time I get to this story, I just smile. So it's the story of two Japanese monks who are walking to their temple. And there is a woman in a nice... um, kimono kimono who's stopped at a muddy trail and she can't get across and so uh the first monk just picks her up carries her over to the other side and she continues on her journey Mm -hmm. and later on that night 
um, the monk that didn't pick her up said, how could you do that? I mean, that was wrong in every way. We're not supposed to touch women. We're not, you know, all the rules that he was talking about that we're not supposed to do. And the monk that carried her said, I picked her up and I left her on the trail. You still are back on the trail with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which I just, I, I love that, you know, how often we stay on the trail Mm -hmm. and go over and over. And even I forgive you, but I need to, or, you know, or my brain or wherever we go with that. God desires us, as you said, to have that freedom of release. Mm -hmm. And God desires that freedom of release for the other person also, uh, whether they recognize it or not, because you can treat them, care for them, love them uh, as you walk in true forgiveness with them and leave the garbage on the trail. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just move on with your life. Yeah. So I actually feel like I feel compelled to talk about my dad, if you don't mind. No. Uh, my dad's a really, really good person, a very gentle, sweet, uh, bashful, the most humble, least full of himself kind of person ever. And he's constantly reading stuff and looking into stuff and he's always curious. So whenever he comes out to the Philadelphia area, you know, he'll go on like a three hour walk and just get stuck talking to some random person on a bench because he's just curious and he wants to ask them how their day was and what's your life like and blah, blah, blah. And I, but I feel like the only issue we ever had was that he, um, wasn't around. While I was growing up, he was working two jobs most of the time, um, sometimes three. He he worked two different jobs as a mechanic and then also had to come home and tend to the ranch that we lived on. And so, and he was doing that out of love and care for our family. But as such, we just didn't get to see him very much. And so... When I was in high school, I would get up and come down to have breakfast and he would be leaving for work and he'd say, howdy. And um, I'd say hi and then he'd take off. And then he would come home from work fairly late. I would come home from extracurricular activities even later. And he'd already be in bed because he had to be up and at work at like 7 a.m. So, um, so by the time I went to college, we just didn't have any relationship at all. And I don't know how this started, but I ended up my freshman year starting to write him letters. And so he and I wrote letters back and forth. That's how we ended up finally building a relationship. And since then, after I went home in college, things like that, he actually, he apologized like multiple times. He expressed, I missed it. I missed everything. I I didn't get to be at your concerts and I didn't get to be there for you. And, and after he said that, or 
because of our meeting place, you know, I let it go. And so it's all gone. And I'm really, I'm so grateful that we have that relationship now and that we're together and reconciled. And especially now, um, because my dad has cancer and he's, um, like he's terminally ill. I don't know. I, I love that I have that relationship with him, that we are both released from any of that, any of that guilt, any of that hurt. Um, we can just be in relationship together in whatever time he has left. And that saw him a few weeks ago. How was that? I mean, the two of you, do you not have to talk about stuff or do you just know where you're at and that's okay? Or thankfully, I think because of the letters that we wrote, we can ask each other some pretty direct questions. So I was, you know, we were out one day, I was cleaning cattle tanks for him. Um, and we were just talking and that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. All the sludge and grossness at the bottom of cattle tanks. It was great. Um, and yeah, so I just, I got to ask okay. him. I'm sorry. What is a cattle tank? <laughs> um, okay. So it's these, I'm trying to think of how big. What was um, it out of? Yeah. Yep. Big, huge metal tanks filled with water that a herd of cattle would drink out of. So at that point they were empty for the most part. And this is like big enough to put like four or five bathtubs in. So they're pretty big and they, they were empty, but they had um, like dirt had settled on the bottom and any algae or plants or anything that had been in the water before it got emptied had dried or it was like mud on the bottom. So I essentially just got in the tank with a shovel and got all the gunk out so that we could refill it with clean water for the cows when they arrived. And there was only, there were only one or two that still had like a foot or so of water still in there. So there's only, only one or two that I had to like bail out before I scooped out, but um, it was fine. And it was fun. I was glad I got to do it. So anyway, but I, I just got to have really direct conversations with him. Like I asked him when you're gone, do you think mom will be okay? And gosh, what else did I ask him? I'm not sure I've asked him like, Hey, are you okay with dying? <laughs> like, I haven't asked him that, but I could, you know, I have the luxury of, I could ask him that. Yeah. Um, and that's, I don't know. That's a huge blessing. It that's is. It is. And you should ask him that question, whether it's on the phone or mm -hmm. the next time you go out and visit, but yeah. Cause that will be freeing for him also. Mm -hmm. Cause he probably hasn't shared that with a lot of people. Yeah. And he probably is concerned about your mom and doesn't want to burden her with more stuff by expressing what he's feeling at this time. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's pretty great. Yep. Yeah. It's nice to just sit in the sweetness of that, of what you just expressed, because that's forgiveness and moving beyond leaving stuff on the trail, but walking another trail together now where you can share those kind of things. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what I'd hope for all of us. Yeah. And tell us your dad's first name again, because I want everybody praying for you and your dad and your mom. Yeah, my dad's name is Dick Lee Holman. Um, and my mom is Peggy. In Nebraska. In Nebraska, yeah. Even though you said howdy, like you're a Texan. Your dad said howdy, really? Oh, yeah, my dad's, yeah. And and so, I don't know, it's this goofy thing. Guys in Nebraska have an accent and girls don't. I don't understand why. It's just this weird thing. So, yeah, like my dad talks like, my dad talks like this and says howdy. Yeah, Susan, this is your dad. I just wanted to check with you and see how the weather's been out there uh, the last week or so. And he's just, he's great. Wow. Uh, uh-huh. It's some of the northern Texas accent that's slid up there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty goofy. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh-huh. So I had a debate, uh, not in an angry way, but just, you know, a intellectual debate with somebody who said no you haven't forgiven that person Mm. and I said yes I have and she's pushing me back because she knows me so well Mm -hmm. Um, so this is Melanie Hammond Clark who you hear me talk about a few times but um she goes no, it's just, I, I know it's not there. It's not in your words. It's not in your energy. It's not in your, you haven't forgiven that person. And she said, okay, let's think of it this way. Um, if you were to define that person, what word would you use to define that person? <laughs> and you know, immediately when she said that, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> She's right. So after a lot of pushback, I finally came to understand I've forgiven the person in my theological head. I have not forgiven the person in my spiritual heart. Mm-hmm. I was the second second. Japanese monk. You still carried it around. I still was carrying it around. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would still have conversations in my head every now and then. I should say this to this person. Or why didn't I say that? Or why didn't I respond this way? Or they don't have the right to, you know, just all all those kind of things were there. And I realized, oh, my gosh. I've got a journey to go on. Mm-hmm. So I, I called her back a couple of weeks later and I said, well, I'll tell you this. It has moved from my theological head to my throat. There you go. You're halfway there. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that halfway, <laughs> but I'm on the journey uh, to get there. So how about when it's in reverse? How do you feel like you handle needing to be forgiven? Because 
the I loved the story that you shared. I think it's so perfect. Um, the story of the monks and caring, because when I I have a few people in my past that I feel like I feel like I treated them badly, and because I feel like I treated them badly, I carry them around with me. Right. And I have for years. I've carried them around with me for years, and I it's oddly enough like I haven't seen them in years but it's it's strange how often those names and those faces pop into my mind and I think about them and it's always with regret and so I'm curious how how do you deal with needing to be forgiven so I think um this is part of the stage of life that I'm in uh laying in bed a lot mm-hmm and thinking about the kind of things that you're talking about there and trying to listen to God as well as I possibly can. And since we said, okay, let's talk about forgiveness a little bit. And that's been a month ago that we first started chatting about that. You and I, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been overwhelmed by that and thinking. And so in, in, in writing and who we want to talk to and who we want to, how we want to share. There have been those people that have popped into my brain and what I've done so far. And I've been very careful about this is I've written two notes mm-hmm. and those notes have purposely been on thank you size cards, five inches by three inches or something like that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like a long letter. Yeah, because I don't want to explain anything. Yeah. I just want to say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the forgivenesses was about something from two, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and haven't had contact with the person since then. But um, it just smelled like the right thing to do to hopefully <laughs> let them release also. Yeah. One other thing that I thought of when we were talking with Debs in the last episode was I think it kind of shocked me to think that the people that I need to forgive might actually be needing, they might actually be needing my forgiveness. So it, it like, it shocked me that to try to think of them as even wanting forgiveness. Right. Um, because I, I think of my high school experience and I had a fairly negative high school experience and with um, a lot of bullying. And I think I tend to still think of those people as like, you know, rubbing their hands together and being like, he, 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 like I'm going to get her in my mind, they're still like 17 years old and they haven't grown up and, and reflected upon their high school experience and thought, Hmm, maybe I didn't do that so well. Maybe I should apologize, but I don't know where this person is. I don't know if they're thinking that or not, but listening to Deb's talk, that was the first time that I even imagined that that could be the case. Going to the meeting place. Yes. Yes. So that's 
Interesting. I'm not sure. I mean, you talk about going from your head to your throat. Like I, I'm not sure I'm quite ready for to, to get to the meeting place in any way with, with those people. Um, but at least it's a start. At least I'm gaining more imagination for what that could look like. And and actually, you know, when I went through college, I started to wonder, was I just being overly sensitive? You know, in high school, was I just being, maybe they weren't trying to do anything at all. Maybe I just made it up in my mind. And then I, I don't know, started to feel really self-conscious. But oddly enough, I did actually get a letter or two from random people uh, who weren't necessarily the main people who tormented me, but they were people who ended up writing me letters and said, Hey, I just wanted to say, I'm sorry because I didn't stop it. I saw what was going on and I didn't, I didn't do anything to help you. Right. And I'm sorry. And so again, that those weren't necessarily people that I was holding any sort of hurt against, but it at least legitimized that, Oh, I wasn't making this up. Other people saw this. It was real. And okay, so I I do have I do have some work to do. I I do have some forgiveness to do. And maybe they someday need to meet me in the meeting place. Maybe they also would like to be forgiven and reconciled and made peace with. So it's it's just interesting having starting to get a new vision, I think for what that could be. Because right now, when I think about going back home, if I think about running into those people, I, I'm i afraid. Like, I am still afraid of those people. And that makes me not want to go to my hometown. Yeah, and, and that's, they're still there. And they're, I don't know. They it's, oh. it's like, they might still be there. And it's like, I'm 36 years old. I should not be afraid of these people. But I am. So, yeah. And shovel out. A cow <laughs> shovel out a cattle tank. <laughs> you should not be afraid of these people. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So I'll just I'll add one more thing and then ask you to reflect on 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 one last thing. But um, so yeah, how how is the spirit working in your life in the midst of as we're talking about forgiveness? as um, you're dealing with a lot of family things, as uh, you're dealing with your mom and your dad and they're so far away right now. Um, I don't know how many miles Nebraska is. Is that 1,500 miles away? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So how is the spirit speaking to you right now that you wrote about the beauty of that spirit of God working in our lives? Okay. I've, I have like 95 plants in my house. I love plants. I started, I got obsessed with growing plants. And the the thing that's interesting about that is, is that I can take no credit for them. It's like, sure. Maybe I water them. Okay. That's good. I was going to say you have to take no credit. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, like, sure. I water them, but that's like it. That's all I do. And otherwise they just, they grow on their own. They create, they like 
pull in the light that that God gives them and they create their own food and they grow on their own. And like, aside from paying attention to them, like pot repotting them when they get too big and watering them, like I, I don't get any credit for that. That's, that's all them. And, um, and yet they give me so much joy. So I don't feel like I pursue God very well. <laughs> and yet God is so, the spirit is so kind to me in that. Um, so present and so visible. And, and I think growing up, I grew up in a more conservative church in a more conservative community. And, um, and they would definitely stress like, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and blah, blah. And like, that's an okay foundation. Those are good things. Um, praying and scripture reading and devotions and things like that. Those are so, those are good things. Those are good disciplines. But if they become, if you essentially pursue them instead of the spirit or pursue them to their own end, it, uh, it oddly enough can be a distraction. So anyway, yeah, no, it's a check mark. Then yeah. it's not, it's not spiritual growth. It's just a check mark of doing the right, right. thing. Right. So, and like, I mean, my personality tends that way. Like, Oh, did I do all the right things? Check, check, check. Like I'm good. Um, so, so I get that, but since, uh, after getting married, after church planting, after, uh, having children doing whatever, like life gets crazy, it's gotten super busy. And so I don't have as many disciplines as I used to. And yet again, the spirit of God has been so kind and gracious and present. And so I feel like the spirit has shown up in the little things in breathing, in breath, in sounds, in, in the plants that are around me, God, the spirit of God shows up. You are aware that God is in the midst of that. And you smell God's presence in that mm -hmm. God's spirit in that. And that's a beautiful practice right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the same thing. Not reading a book every day, it's not whatever, but right. it's life. And it's right. God is always inviting us to be in life with God. And even ourselves, in some ways, invite that presence in instead of the busyness of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thanks for joining us for A Different Kind of Walk. By the way, I'm actually 35 instead of 36. I can never seem to keep track of my own age. Anyway, come back next time for more interviews on forgiveness and reconciliation, pain and joy. Until then, live well.